Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Where did my wife go? That's what I want to know. There she is up there. Oh, dearie me. You know, I, I love with someone, living with someone that you can't predict what their next action is. Our life is really fun because of that. I haven't got a clue what's going on most of the time. She just sort of flits over here and there and, uh, and I'm, I'm more of the plotter. I just step after step after step. Um, okay, some stuff I wanted to tell you about. Yes, Tuesday night. Um, we're doing a celebration night. It's our end of our um, time of prayer and fasting, uh, 21 days, uh, the 21st of January. And, uh, and so basically, I would love to come together as the church. I've got the youth band doing praise and worship for us. Um, we are, I'll, I'll just bring in a very, very short word, and then there'll be a great time of prayer. And I would like to open up the altar on that night as well for prayer for your needs as well. You know, and, and we can declare and, and position ourselves for those, those miracles in our lives. But sometimes it, it takes almost a, like a... Climax to get to that point, and I'm hoping that on Tuesday night that will be the case. So, if you are around, please get here 7:30. Uh, we're going to have a, a great time together, and it'll be a real celebration as well, you know, uh, of what God's done. If you've got any testimonies of what God's done the last 21 days, I'd love to hear them and use them on Tuesday night as well. So, if you'd like to come and see me after service, that'd be fantastic to hear those. Um, we've got Vision Sunday coming up on the 2nd of February, so that's the first Sunday in uh, February. Um, we're looking at repositioning for life groups again. So if you're considering what to do with life groups and you're thinking, oh, I'd like to lead a life group this year, I would like to, to get that indication and because uh, uh, we like as many life groups going as we can. We've got Bible college starting again. So if you want to see that, you need to make, we have to get that in by the end of January as well. So uh, come and see me about that as well. Um, I think that's all I, I need to do. We have got Rob Stevenson in the hospital. That's one thing I did want to say. Uh, so... Sharon's here this morning, so it'd be great to lift up Rob this week because they're really not sure what's going on. They really talked to him yesterday afternoon and, and uh, they're not really clear what the heck is going on. And of course, the doctors need to have a, a weekend, so uh, so they won't know till Monday. So, uh, uh, but it, it, it's a funny thing, that isn't it? Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, just work it out over the weekend, we'll be back Monday and uh, work it out then. But anyway, so prayers for that. Lots of prayers needed in this church. So, uh, uh, so lift up those people that God puts on your heart. Well, there's a verse I'm going to bring to you this morning. I'll spend a little bit of time before I get into the meat of the message. But it's just the, one of the verses that was really a seed thoughts for this preaching series. And this series is called If, Living an Intentional Life. And uh, we, we started last week with the, the introduction to it. But it's this scripture out of John 14, verse 15. It says this, If you love me, you'll obey what I command. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. And Jesus is obviously speaking in this. That really struck me. Jesus is such an absolute gentleman. Just, just an absolute gentleman. He doesn't force us or require us to do anything in our lives. He treats us with what, such great respect and gives us free choice. God has given us free will. And, and you see, it's not a master-servant relationship. It's a father-son or daughter relationship. 
And, and it's a little like the prodigal son in the, in the father story where, where, you know, the prodigal son, you, I'm going to bless you. You know, there's your inheritance. Go off and blow it if you want to. But open arms when you come back. And it's, it's our free choice how we choose to live our lives. The choices we make are ours. But we need to live with the consequences of those choices, of those decisions in our lives. And not blame God. You see, and here's the other thing. Not making a choice is actually making a decision. Not making a choice is actually making a decision. And you see, God never insists on obedience from us. You see, you know, what Nathan said this morning was great. You know, that, that submission thing. But he never insists on it. He never forces us. He never says, you know, you have to do this. It says, if you love me, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. It's based on, a, on love. It's based on relationship. It's not based on law. It's based on grace. If you love me, here's what your response will be. Obedience. You see, that's intentional. And, and we started this, this series last week, the idea that intentional life is living by decisions, not by default, by choices we make. And that living an intentional life as a Christian is intentionally putting God first in our lives and it's God first in our day, in our week, in our month, in our year. And we talked about those things. You know, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that you want in your life will become yours. They'll be given to you as well. When you seek him first and living an intentional life is very simply this an intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the centre of everything we do. And boy, like Nathan said, that's an easy thing to say. It's an easy thing to sort of believe we do, but it's a whole different deal to actually do it. And, and you know, the truth is, as a pastor, I meet with so many really good intentioned people. Really good. You know, mostly Christians and, uh, and, and you know, that they... They, they know what God's word says and sometimes they, they even seek your advice, advice, sometimes they don't. But even when, you, when they do seek your advice and you get a sense of what God's best for them will be, um, you know, either that's from a sense of what God's speaking to you about or the word or, or even just the sense of experience. You see, you know, in life you get some experiences that you learn and you go, look, if you make that decision, the outcome may not be that good, you know, for you or your family or, or whatever. But they have a choice whether they respond in obedience to God's word, out of love for Jesus, do what the word says or not. It's, it's a free choice. And, and sometimes we choose not to seek first the kingdom of God. You know, and I think we've all been there from time to time. We, we just get that, we get selfish. You know, we start looking at ourselves first and, uh, uh, and we choose not to seek first the kingdom of God. We choose not to be intentional about following God with all our heart, with all our mind, and keeping him at the centre of everything. We, we're, and basically, by doing that, we're choosing God, the world's way, not God's way. You know, but this scripture says, if you love me, if you love me, you'll do, you'll obey what I command. And, uh, you know, it, it's if you have a true, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, then you want your life to line up with God's word. See, if you want that relationship, it's all here. If you truly love me more than you love your own lives, your own possessions, your own comfort, the choice becomes easy to put him first. You see, that's living an intentional life for Jesus Christ. 
But if you love other things more than Jesus, that's when the real test comes. For many of us, um, we, we never think of ourselves this way, we never describe ourselves this way, but the evidence is in our decisions, our day-to-day decisions, whether we're intentionally following Jesus or we're not. If it is seek first the kingdom of God, if it is that for our lives, we, we're going to put God first in everything. If it isn't, well, that's your choice. See, if you love me, that's what Jesus says. And, and as often I have these sorts of conversations with people and I say, you know what God's word says? Yep. You know what the right thing to do would be according to God's plan? Yep. You love God? Yep. And yet you choose that path? I don't get it. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. You know, you, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the circumstance of my life. I, I love God, but I'm just, for this season, not really going to follow him. I'm intentionally going to sin in this next season. And, and I'm just going to compromise in this area of my life. And, and, and I'm sure he'll understand my intentional sin. Now, and it always gets to this, can I tell you? It always gets to this. And anyway, doesn't God's word really mean that? Or, or could it really mean this? Or did God really say, have you heard that somewhere before? Did God really say? Basically, I choose not to obey God's command. But you know, I still love God, sort of. Well, he's up the top somewhere, maybe two or four or five or six, somewhere in that top section somewhere, you know. And, and, and the truth is, look, we are a grace church, you know, and I don't want this to come across too harshly today. You know, I'm a grace man. Yeah, and God's grace is sufficient. That's what the word says. But it also says in, in John 1, Jesus came full of grace and truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth. And you see, if we get lopsided in this journey, if we only operate in grace, it can be a sloppy, not a very attractive grace. You know, it, it really isn't, doesn't stand for much, it doesn't mean much, and, and, and it really is an excuse to be slack mostly. It's not God-honouring at all. But if it's only truth, on the other hand, it can get judgmental and religious. And you see, Jesus came full of grace and truth. And we in our lives need to operate in that same principle, full of grace and truth. As a church... We need to be full of grace, but also not, not be timid to tell the truth. The truth in love, of course. And you see, that's what a real, authentic, intentional relationship with Jesus has to look like. Grace and truth. Responding not to the circumstances of life or our own wants or needs, but to his commands because we truly love him. You see, that's a big if. And it's easy to think we're doing that, but it's actually a whole different thing to do it. We have a choice. We can choose to live our lives intentionally, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. And then our lives will line up with the word of God, his commands. We'll be obedient because our relationship with him, we wouldn't want to do anything else. You see, that's the sort of relationship that intentional, living intentionally for God is all about. It's that intentional life that Jesus would want us to live. It's intentional life. See, Jesus was the most intentional person that ever hit this earth. He knew from day one what he was here for. He knew the outcome, as Nathan explained. And it wasn't a very attractive one in terms of his physical, personal walk. You know, that was one of the seed thoughts 
that, that led to this IF series, if you choose to live the intentional life. And, um, and we're going to cover these sorts of things. Last week, put, um, as an introduction, put God first. And uh, I'm going to use many examples out of the book of Daniel. So if you've got your Bibles open to the book of Daniel, because we're going to read the first chapter of that this morning. First uh, six chapters are historical, and the other chapters are really prophetic, and, and they get a little unusual. There's a lot of Daniel reproduced in the book of um, uh, Revelations, and, uh, but this is a great Old Testament book. And, and the, the different weeks we're going to learn, if we learn, that's what we'll do this morning, if we try, if we trust, if we stay, if we care. So this week is if we learn. Let me pray before I start. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are an amazing God. God, I pray that we get that, how you operated, be full of grace and truth. God, I pray we never shy away from the truth, but God, that we always operate in grace, even in the truth. God, I pray that can be a hallmark of this church. There can be a I know it can be a recognition of the way we operate in this church, God, full of grace and of truth. We thank you, Lord, that uh, your word is so rich and full of of how we can apply that to our lives. And God, I pray for application here this morning uh, for each one of our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, if we learn. You see, I believe we should be absolute students of life, not just to get through life, but to, to learn from life. And uh, it's got to be more than just survival. You know, Jesus wouldn't have done what he did if it's just survival. He wants us to thrive. He wants to have a life that's full, over, overflowing, abundant. You know, and, and, and his word is so clear in that. And, and we need to be intentionally living our lives, lining up with the word of God. And you see, learning, if we learn, isn't just about learning information. I want to make that really clear. You know, there's so much information. In fact, I don't know about you, but I get information overload you know it's just like there's so much information coming through every different aspect of our lives and it's necessary and helpful sometimes but the truth is there are many intelligent fools around very knowledgeable fools around and and they live their lives like fools even though they're very intelligent and even in the book of genesis you know uh, in the garden of eden adam and eve to eat from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the downfall of mankind. And it looked attractive, and it looked like it was the right thing to do. You see, it's not so much about acquiring information, it's about, about us learning God's wisdom, his direction for our lives. And Proverbs 1.5 says this, let the wise listen and add to the learning. You see, it's if we learn, if we take an attitude and an aptitude of learning in our lives. And if we look at the book of Daniel, see young people that love God, they're in difficult circumstances. Basically, they chose to live their lives intentionally for God, according to God's word. They wouldn't compromise. And even in a foreign country, in a culture that's very different from their own, and they were slaves and, and servants, they chose to stand up and live their lives intentionally for God. They learned God's wisdom for their lives at a very, very early age and chose to live intentionally from that point on. And so even as teenagers and young people, hear me this morning, even as teenagers, you can choose to live your life intentionally for God from this point forward. From this point forward. You see, the, these young people, they're they captured. They've been through war. They're in prison. They're taken to a foreign land, living in very challenging circumstances. So, so I want you to recognize that sometimes we live in challenging circumstances, don't we? It's difficult sometimes to be a Christian. But we have to be prepared to stand up for our beliefs, for our God, 
for against the culture that might be trying to change us and, and redirect us. And, and even, you know, in this culture, they look down on these guys because they're the servants, they're the slaves, you know. And maybe there's some similarities in your life you'll see here this morning. Okay, let's read Daniel 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles of the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Now, let me give you a little bit of context here. Um, you see, this is the period of uh, 600 BC, and the nation of Judah has just been taken captive by Babylon and their ruler, King Nebuchadnezzar. And they're great names, aren't they? Um, Babylon is a modern-day Iraq, okay? So just think about the, how that will look like, the, the geography of that. And so Jerusalem, the holy city, has been captured, the temple destroyed, the treasures taken, many people killed in that process, and some of the best young people are taken into captivity, into exile by the Babylonians and used as slaves and servants in Babylon. Now, I know when we read this, we, we disconnect from it emotionally, but I just want you young people particularly to, to take note here um, and try and get the, the emotional connection. So put yourself in this story for a second, and maybe it's for you and for me. And, and we're serving God, we're Christians, we're even tithing, we're going to church on a regular basis, and all of a sudden we get invaded by a people group that are very different to us, maybe terrorists, you know, and, and that would be the way these guys would be seen in this time. And there'd be a horrible extended and bloody battle. And many of our families are killed um, before our eyes often. Our homes are destroyed and some of the young people, our kids, are taken and captured and imprisoned and taken to this country, carried off to this, this foreign country. And we can only guess what the ages were, but the, the, the scholars think Daniel was a boy or a young man, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, somewhere around that, that stage. And, and, and these young people have every right to be fearful and completely overwhelmed by the circumstances. You're getting this, aren't you? Like, this is, this is a difficult situation. And uh, they're forcefully transported this new country, country under guard. They'd be slaves, and, and, and after all the trauma of the war and the death, and everything that accompanies that. They're missing their parents, their families, their homes in a, in a different place. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of the court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. So the goal was clear was to reprogram these young men to be slaves and servants in the king's palace. It was to teach them a language and a literature and the culture of Babylon, to get rid of their, 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 their Jewish, their Hebrew heritage. And in three years of indoctrination, that they were set up for this. You see, they chose these ones because they showed aptitude for every type of learning, well-informed, quick to understand. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 5. And the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine for the king's table. They would be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, he gave the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Michelle, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Now, let me just pause for a minute. There's lots of names and, and they're even hard to say, you know. And, but here's the deal. 
Why would they want to give them new names? What's that about? Like, why, why change their names? You know, why would they have to rename them? Let's quickly look at the Hebrew names and then look at the Babylonian names they've renamed them with. And this will give an indication of what's going on here. You see, the world and our enemies want to rename you and me and our kids. They want to stop our future influence. They want to cut off that potential in God. And I think our world and our culture has that same thing. They want our kids, our Christian kids, to conform to their patterns. Not to be, not to be different from the world, to be, to be like them. And do all the things that they do because, you know, I had this parent come to me in the early days of the church. They called us a cult because um, the, the, the young daughter had got saved and came along to youth and was coming along to church. And, and, uh, and she was at the age, she was 16, and, and, and their other kids had all gone out and partied um, every night they could and slept around and, and took drugs. And, and, and this woman came in and, and caused... And, accused us of being a cult because her daughter wasn't doing that and there was something wrong with her daughter. I said, yeah, but isn't that a good thing? No, I want them to be like everyone else. And you know, sometimes we just got to stand up on the inside and go, you know what? I'm not going to be like the world. I don't see fruit in that. I don't see good benefits in that. Why would you want to be like that? You know, and, and church, we have to sometimes stand up on the inside because the world wants to name us that. But God is calling us this. And I want to show you these names because I think they're really significant. So the Hebrew name Daniel means God is my judge. I answer to God alone. Belshazzar means this. And let this sink in for a minute, church. Lady, protect the king. Lady, protect the king. One of the attacks is on our kids' gender. To confuse them in their orientation of being male and female. You see, God made us one way and sometimes the world wants to confuse that. Why? To undermine everything that connects us with God, even our gender. And I'm telling you, this is very real today. You know, we're seeing, and it's not so much evident in the Bay here to be truthful, but I'm seeing a feminization of young men in this world. And and it's scary to see that. You know, I don't know if it's to do with lack of fathers or... Or, or lack of mentoring or, or what it is, but we need to be confident in the way God has made us. It's okay to be man and woman. It's okay to be that. You know, we don't have to conform to what the world tells us we should be. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. God is gracious and good and wonderful. But Shadrach means this, be afraid of God. God is to be feared. God is not good. God's bad. The world wants to tell us that our God is bad, that's not good for us, that, that he isn't for you. You know, be afraid of God. Don't get too involved in the God stuff because, you know, you, you, it'll stuff you up, you know. Keep right away from it. Be afraid of God. It's, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie for this young man's life and it's a lie for our lives. Michelle means who is what God is. It means I'm in awe of God. He is amazing. But Meshach, means this, I'm despised and contemptible. I live a humiliated life. And really, many people think Christians live that sort of relationship with God. That's the sort of relationship we have. We're never good enough. We can never measure up. We, can, we, we, never, you know, we just can't. And the fact, the opposite is true. The opposite is true. When we find our true identity in Christ, we actually become who we're meant to be, who we're supposed to be. We are free to be that 
And we're not conformed by the world. We're conformed by God's word, by the renewing of our mind through God's word. We're conformed to that. And that's where the freedom is. You see, when we find our true identity in Christ, we are unshakable. We are. We've got our feet planted. We are unshakable. Azaria means Yahweh has helped me. I'm close to God. He's my helper. But Abednego means servant of Nego, slave of the God. That's their God. You see, the world wants us to rename our relationship with our God from son of the one true living God to slave of a God. And it's so important we learn and really know who we are in Christ and our identity in God because a girl, the God, the world wants to rename us. They want us to conform to their patterns, to relabel us, to, to, to be what they want us to be. God's word says to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, to test and approve what God's will is for us, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So that's my first point. I've spent a long time on it. But if we learn to intentionally put God first, we're confident in our identity in Christ, not the world. Verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. You see, for Daniel, this food was to defile himself. It was to compromise his beliefs. And the Jews, for the king's food, would have defiled them. You know, potentially it was, it was used for idol worship before that was presented to them. Uh, it wasn't prepared the way the Jews wanted it prepared or committed to in God's patterns. And, and, and we need to be clear what defiles us. We need to be clear what we're not allow, allowing in our lives for, in terms of compromise. We need to be really clear on that because I'm telling you, it's like the frog in the frying pan, in the, in the saucepan. You gradually turn up the heat and the frog doesn't realise it's getting hot until it, it just boils to death. And we can be like this in this culture where we go, oh, no, that's all right. Oh, yeah, okay, all right, look, I'll let that pass. Okay, that's all right. Yeah, and before we know it, we're living in lives that are vastly different from what God would want for us. We need to live our lives intentionally through God's word. Be confident in who we are in Christ. Don't let those things be non like Set up the non-negotiables in your life. Don't let those things slide through all the time. You know, the world wants us to be quiet, not say anything. Don't cause any upsets. You know, don't stand up for what you believe. Don't cause any waves. Just go with the flow. Don't be intentional about your Christianity. But we need to be clear, really clear, on the things that we won't compromise for our lives. And that's my second point here this morning. It is, it's just that. Just be clear on what you won't compromise in your life. See, we need to get really secure in this and then, and then operate out of that. You know, and I'm not saying to be um, stupid or adversarial or, or, or confrontational. I'm not saying that at all. Just be strong in yourself. Just be bold and courageous for, you, for who God's called you to be. Be true to God's word. Know who you are in Christ. Be confident in that. And then work out what you're not prepared to compromise in your life. You know, and, and it, might be, it might be a movie. It might be watching some TV shows. It might be some internet places you've been visiting. Um, maybe it, it, it's, it's as simple as gossip. You know, gossip is equated with the greatest sin in the Bible, you know. And maybe your, your, your tongue is just a little bit looser than it should be. Loquacious. Is that the word? It's a great word. Loquacious. Your tongue is loquacious. 
and you talk a little bit too much. And, and um, maybe if whatever it is for you, you need to work out what that compromise that you're allowed in your life, then say, I'm not going to allow that any longer. No longer will I allow that in my life. You see, Daniel used great wisdom here, great respect. He asked the chief official for permission not to eat the food. He developed a relationship with this guy because he told Daniel actually had favour with him. And for each of us, we have to work out. Um, we have to form our own convictions for our own lives, to live intentionally, that we just won't compromise on that. We just won't put up with that in our lives. And let's read on, verse 9. Now, God had caused the official to show favour and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who assigned your food and drink. Why should he, he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel said to the guard, whom the chief official appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. And this is basically where we get the Daniel fast from. No processed food, just really natural foods, no, no wine, just vegetables, fruit, water for 10 days. And, and if you see the word, or the, that, that period of 10 days or 10 uh, periods in the Bible, it usually rec- represents a test. There's a test going on. Verse 13, then compare our appearance with other young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. And the truth is there's a time of testing in each one of our lives. When we choose not to compromise in an area, there'll be a time of testing. There'll be a tough time. There'll be a tough period. And and that 10 days represents what, what Daniel went through the test. How will you respond? Verse 15, at the end of 10 days, they looked healthier, better nourished than any of the young men who ate the, ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine and they had to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, gave, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time, set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and found them none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In, that, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. And I love this. You know, if we learn who we are in God, in Christ, if we learn those areas of our life we're not going to compromise, even in the difficulties of lives, it's the third point. We have God's favour. We will have God's favour. Even though the testings will come, the, the times will come, You know, these four young men, God gave great knowledge and wisdom, all kinds of literature and learning and visions and dreams. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than anyone else in the kingdom. See, it's knowledge and understanding. It's wisdom and understanding. It's never just about learning information. It's how we apply that wisdom to our lives. You know, and James' brother says it well, paraphrase, don't just hear the word, be doers of the word. You know, Matthew 7, 26, when Jesus says, but everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice. He's like a, he's a foolish man. So you hear the knowledge, you hear the word, you understand, but you never apply it to your life because that man, that foolish man has built his house on the sand. And truthfully, I don't know about you, but I can see similarities between the culture of Daniel and the culture today, right now. You see, my personal belief is 
Our kids are under attack. Our kids are under attack. The world wants to dictate to them the way they should live their lives. Church, we need to show them a better way. We need to show them how to live God, live life God's way. Live intentionally if we are living an intentional life for God. You know, not to be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You know, and parents, we can learn a lot from these sorts of scriptures. See, these were just young kids. They knew who they were in God, in Christ. They knew what they weren't going to compromise. They also knew they had the favour of God on their lives. And parents, we need to pray that into our kids. We need to speak it in their lives. We need to, to let them understand they have got the favour of God. They have. They need to understand who they are in Christ and what they're not prepared to compromise in. What areas? But parents, we need to apply that to our lives to be a role model for that. See, Daniel, even as a young man, as a slave, lived his life intentionally. Even in the midst of tough circumstances, he made God-honouring decisions in the midst of all that. And God honoured him and his friends in the process their determination not to compromise themselves but to live God's way, to rely on God's wisdom. So there's a few challenges in that message I hope for you this morning. You know, um, and this is just some stuff I wrote down just to finish here this morning. Will I change the world or will the world change me? Will I reflect the culture that we live in or will I set the culture? Will I be a thermometer or a thermostat? You know, and I'm sure you've heard that before. Where will my identity come from? Will my identity come from God or somewhere else? Will be determined by how we choose to live our lives, either intentionally, on fire for God, passionate for the things of God, or not. I pray for you as the band comes this morning. And uh, we're going to work through over, well, we won't be a few weeks before we get back to this series, but, but the book of Daniel is full of wisdom and, and, and great stuff for us to live intentional lives on fire for God. And uh, I, I pray we can apply that. So let me pray as uh, the band comes and we'll lift it up to God. Hey? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. God, we thank you for your amazing word, God, that it, it gives us such wisdom and such understanding, such depth, Lord, to apply to our lives. Father, I pray we, just, we won't be just hearers of the word, but we'll be doers of the word. God, we'll actually apply that to our lives from, from this point forward, God. We'll recognize those things that we might have, have allowed into our lives that shouldn't be there, that we've allowed compromise in, God, that, that we, we, we've taken our identity from another place, from someone else's opinion or, or, or from the world's model of what that should look like. But God, we want our identity to be in you, Christ, to be like you, Jesus Christ. And Father, I just want to, to pray that favour and your blessing continued over those that honour you, God, that, that live their lives with you first. God, I pray for your hand upon them, your favour, your blessing, your, your, your protection, your continued protection, God, on each and every one of us, Lord, as we, as we step this out, God, as we apply it to our lives and, and we, we allow you, to become first in our lives. We actually intentionally make those choices to put you first in our lives, God, to, to learn more about you, but then learn how to apply it to our lives, God, to seek first the kingdom of God, 
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.